Ladies and gentlemen, to those among you who are easily frightened, we suggest you turn away now. To those of you who think they can take it, we say, Welcome to the Madhouse. Welcome to the Madhouse. My name is Jimmy. That's Joey. This week we find ourselves enlisting in a horror rehab, aka the horror hospital. But first, how you doing, man? I'm alright, thank you. How are you? Yeah, lovely, lovely. <laughs> so uh, you had to watch this film twice as well, same as me. Yep, absolutely, of course. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Horror Hospital, 1973, director Anthony Balch, on a budget of about 50 grand, from what I can gather from different, differing reports online. What did he do with that 50 grand? <laughs> I think they had a piss up Must and bought have. some fake blood. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It was his first horror film, I think, as well, wasn't it? He did a bit of uh, artsy stuff. Yeah. And the one of the producers said it was the best time he'd ever had making a film, and that's where I think the money went, just to like a pile of coke. Yeah, seventies, loving it. So, uh, are we going to do a plot slot? Um, yes, I think. Yeah, we'll get it out of the way. Uh, I've not put my notes where I need them. All right. Well, I haven't got the time already, so we're both incompetent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've got time already. Your notes ready? How do I know it's ready? Are your notes ready? Oh, are my notes ready? <laughs> yes, they're ready. <laughs> okay. You going to start this off? Yeah, go on then, okay, I'll do it. Go. Okay. Mysterious black limo with an equally mysterious duo seated within. One in an interesting feathered hat and another... He's a little chap, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Frederick. Yeah, Fred. Sat there nicely waiting for two bloody 70s teens fleeing with bandages on their head and a lovely lot of blood uh, running through the woods only to be chased down and beheaded by a kitted up Bentley with a knife on it. Yeah, that's pretty swish. Yep. Pops their head straight in a bag. Yep, kind of relies on everyone being the same height in it, order to actually chop the head that's off. That's true, yes. Time. But yeah, I think we'll get to that. Yeah, we will. Uh, Fred has a lovely time poking the head in a in a bag. <laughs> yeah. So we cut to a interesting. Oh, well, actually, I think it's a normal show in the seventies, and we meet Jason Jones. Uh, oh no, we meet this. We see this band playing a gig. It's terrible. And then we meet Jason, and he claims that the band have stolen his song. And so he quickly voices that, and he gets punched in the nose by the transvestite lead singer. Yep. So he he disappears about a table over, because it's safer over there. And he takes his uh, bloody nose over, and the advice of his friends is to get away for a few days. He says, uh, have you been on the coke again, Jason? (laughs) With some brilliant acting there. I don't know where the Oscar was for that man. Uh, mental, I know, I don't know that one, anything. So he takes his bloody nose and the advice of his friends in search of Harry Holidays. Well, yeah, he sees it in the back of the paper, that he? Pops off down to Harry Holidays. Doesn't look like a class establishment. But Looks like the cheapest office they could rent for the film. <laughs> absolutely, and Harry Holidays is run by a shifty homosexual travel agent, Pollock, played by the great Dennis Price. Yep. Uh, after failing to chat up Jason after seeing the massive bulge in his pants, <laughs> which we get a nice close-up of, Pollock sends him to a pseudo-health farm, Brittlehurst Manor. On the train journey there, Jason meets Judy and commences the best acting I've seen in my life. <laughs> uh, she's travelling to the same destination to meet her long-lost aunt and shares... 
Oh, uh, what would you say? A lot of more info than you Far usually too would. much info that you, you you give out to a stranger. She gives him an apple, an apple and a bit of cheese. An apple. An apple and a bit of cheese. <laughs> she says apple. Apple. Anyway, apple. We'll, we'll get into all this later. Both of them are unaware that the hell farm is a front for Dr. Storm and his lobotomy experiments. Yeah, uh, after failing to be picked up, the pair decide to walk it. Uh, but at that point, the creepy train guard informs the manor about Judy and Jason. Uh, it rains. They take shelter underneath. Possibly could have done something better to get out of the rain. In their mind. And then a couple of zombie bikers arrive and pick them up. Yeah, so this wheelchair-bound doctor surrounds himself with an entourage that includes Judy's aunt, erstwhile brothel madam Olga, played by Ellen Pollock, uh, the dwarf Frederick and numerous zombie biker thugs. Dr. Storm also has a Rolls-Royce car we've already talked about with that giant blade that cuts the conveniently all the same height escapees. Yeah. And cuts their heads off. Right, so they get checked in by Olga, who's a bit miffed that her niece has arrived. Anyway, uh, and they get Hot shown... bitch. Yeah, definitely. They get shown to their room by Skip, and as they go, they get uh, they witness like a bloody stained bed in one of the rooms. Yeah, like that. and I would have left. But I would have left. They didn't. Anyway, yeah. so they're in their room bit, and, and you'll notice you've written 70s free love bit, which means to me, a little bit rapey scene. Uh, I don't know. Actually, actually don't... this isn't. It's later on. Yeah, I th- Yeah, she just gets undressed with, with this complete stranger. Uh, he follows her into the bathroom while she's having a shower. She's totally nuddy. Yeah, and he's got like a, a nice... A nice Helmet, Helmet on. on, yeah, that's yeah. the one. They start giving it a bit. And they start kissing and getting on with it. And she's like, well, we're supposed to be here to getting healthy. And he's, you know what's healthy? Sex. There you go. That was the 70s. That's why it's the 70s free love bit. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so it goes to the hippie zombie dinner. One chick freaks out. It's carried off by the bikers. Millie. Millie, she's off. Yep. Uh, so they decide they've had enough of the shit. And they go back up to their room, where he starts trying to have sex with her again. Yeah. In fact, they are about to have sex when he the tap runs with blood. Why does he go to the tap to get water? Wash his hands, maybe. I don't know. Maybe he's done it. Washed his hands, isn't it? Yeah, man, he's, right, they're having a bit of a wash-off. The after-wash. Yeah. And uh, blood starts streaming out of the tap, and Dr. Storm is then magically at the door. Gets wheeled in. Yeah. <laughs> and he twats Skip right in the face, which I don't... Why did he do that? Uh, because he was meant to have posted the letter telling Judy not to come. Oh, yes. And we find out that the taps are running red because Skip's keeping the heads up upstairs in the water tanks going yeah. right in the cistern. Oh, tank, like that, yeah. water tank, anyway. And going to... into the hotel's shit, whatever it is. Horror hospital. <laughs> yeah, it's not a hospital. I just want to say that now. It says horror hospital. They came up with a title before they wrote the script and it it's a rehab place. It was supposed to be a holiday at the beginning of the film. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's taken right to uh, Anyway, yeah. So uh, Jason goes to look for a way out. He has a bit of a recce. Sees <laughs> bikers carry a million to a locked room. Judy stumbles upon the hippie zombies while looking for Jason and uh, does some scream acting. Yeah, she freaks out. A lot of that. And then some, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But Pollock arrives. Demanding more cash, trying to blackmail this whole operation. She gives him cash. Uh, He leaves in a very jolly, I'm going to say it, gay manner. Yeah, they they really kind of up the gayness. Massively. Campness, really. If there's ever a... If if I'm going to say mincing... Yeah. He literally minces out of that. The next level would have been him skipping in a tutu towards the fence. Yeah. Anyway. Not that there's anything wrong with doing that if you ask what you want to do. I'm just saying, 70s, they made it out to be a bit of a uh, mincing is the word they would have used while making this. We want you to mince towards that fence. Yes. Anyway, he gets his uh, melon lobbed off by the car. Yes. (laughs) Oh, Jason's seeing it from the uh, window as well. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, with a wonderful zoom-in shot. <laughs> uh, 
Anyway, uh, Dr. Storm arrives at Jason's room and takes him down to the gym to show him the brainwashed, super-strong, athletic zombies controlled by a computer. Jason spies Judy locked in a cage, drugged, ready for the operation, in air quotes. Thanks, yes. So, uh, Jason legs it. He's chased down by the bikers, running through the woods, trying to get away. He has a fight with them, knocks one of them into some quicksand, but then he's captured, dragged back to the manor, locked up and gassed. So Storm performs the operation on Millie when Olga starts to get cold feet. So Abraham rocks up at the horror hospital. Who's Abraham, you ask? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, he's here looking for his chick. Who is Millie? (laughs) He's promptly whacked around the head by the motorcycle zombies, chucked in the cell with Jason. While Olga is packing to leave, she's attacked by some strange-looking melty face man. Yep, Frederick, fed up at literally being Storm's whipping boy, helps the kids escape. They get Judy, but it's too late for Millie. Baby. Millie, baby. Is that it's too late for Millie, baby, or it's too late for Millie, baby? Too late for Millie, baby. <laughs> okay. Storm tells his story about his experiments and how he was burned in a fire. Locked in their room. Again, the boys escape with the help of Fred. Again. But Fred then dies, falling down the stairs. He's got little legs. they they rescue judy and they trash storm's lab which somehow sets the whole house on fire by the way we'll get to that later and they find olga dead in the next room they find the empty wheelchair and a strange mask of storm's face and a melty face man being gross with millie baby (laughs) yeah (laughs) wait is that being gross with millie baby or being gross with millie baby (laughs) being gross with millie baby (laughs) Uh, anyway so they uh, they chase him don't they they chase him yeah, out. and, and uh, they cut him down the limo. He loses his head. His body falls into the bog. Yeah, the quicksand. Yeah, slash quicksand. And then quicksand. they chuck the head back in after him. And at the end of the film, you see him re-emerging from the bog. There you go. And we did it in less than 10 minutes. Oh, yeah! Just, just did it by less than 10 minutes. Which is uh, actually how long they spent making this film. Yeah, I didn't write the uh, end proper end bit. Because it annoyed me so much, and we'll talk about that okay, yeah. in a bit. still part of the film, though. <laughs> it is, but I was like, nah, I'm going to save it, and we'll talk about it later. Okay. So, plot slot one, we've done it twice now, where we've managed to actually do the plot slot. Not too shabby. To celebrate, we're going to take a nice little musical stroll like Abraham, and we're going to end up at Frights and Delights. Well, we're going to go looking for our chicks. Baby. <laughs> Wait, is that... <laughs> well, we'll see you there. <laughs> right, here we go with Frights and Delights. So, go on, give us one. All right, well, one uh, delight I have, although the band was crap, uh, the band at the beginning is an actual band called Mystic. They're the ones playing at the beginning of the film that nicked his song. A real band called Tangerine Peel. They're a 60s psychedelic band. The only person on stage who was not a member of that band was the trans man who punched Jason. Trans man? Who is the trans man. Trans man, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, okay. Uh, he was, well, I think we call him a trans man these days. Probably uh... call him a tre- cross-dresser in the... Anyway, either way, that dude okay. is dressed as a lady <laughs> at the beginning. He's laying down. Uh, they got a fight with Jason because uh, Jason called him a faggot after accusing him of nicking his song. Oh. Uh, he was called Alan Watson, who was actually a co-writer on the film, not a member of that band. But that was a genuine band somehow. Oh, okay. Because they weren't great. Okay. Um, I've got a, a lovely little delight. And it's got a, it's got a, it's got a couple... It's got a few, actually. It's props to Skip Martin, who plays Frederick in this. Yeah. It's got some great lines throughout, I think. Brilliant. But my favourite bit is where he's trying... He drugs the guards to get uh, Jason and Abraham out. He's faffing around for a bit. He can't reach a lot because he's he's, uh, height impaired. Uh, So he stacks up the guards... But it takes him a little while, and he stacks up the guards, stands on them, gets the lock open. I think that's a lovely little bit. That's amazing. And when you say it takes him a little bit, <laughs> I think they had that in the script, and I realised this guy can't move these massive guys they've hired to be the thugs. Yeah. 
So, and sometimes you see them literally moving their own weight for him. It's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I en- I enjoyed that bit. That was great. Also, when he says to when he says to them when they're checking in, and he goes, uh, he asks them if they're runaways. Yeah, yeah. And then halfway up the stairs, then he goes, "We had a few runaways this morning." <laughs> <laughs> He's so dry with it as well, isn't he? I can't tell if it was purposeful or not. Yeah, obviously uh, referring to the two runaways at the start who got their heads lopped off. Yeah, sorry. I This is one of the ones I'm doing under the assumption people may not have seen it. <laughs> okay, a little a little delight, if I may. Uh, the script was written for Robin Asquith and Michael... Is it Go or Goth? Uh, would you say? I would say... Another one of our name mess-ups here. I would say... Goth. Okay, we'll go with Goth. I we'll don't just say Goth all the way through. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Alfred. Yeah, Alfred, yeah. Alfred. <laughs> Pennyworth. Yeah. He, uh, so the script was written for them. The, the building that was used for exterior shots was the previous home of Edward George Bulwer-Lighton, who was a writer and a conservative politician who died in 1873, which is coincidentally 100 years before the film was released, in 1973. He was the author of The Last Days of Pompeii, which is a famous book. Oh, okay. I'm going to come at you with another delight. This, I mean, what are they drinking in this whole thing? <laughs> the green shit. Because it's clearly absinthe. It I does think, look like I absinthe. Think, I think it's absinthe. Yeah, I think that's my delight. Throughout it, I just wanted an absinthe. Is that a delight? I mean, to it's me... It's a delight for me. It was water with food colouring in it. No, it had to be absinthe. It was the <laughs> 70s. Free love. Pop some of that absinthe. Oh, you down. think it was actually absinthe, or it was just meant to be absinthe? No, I think it actually was absinthe. Well, I hope it was. It explains a lot of decisions. Yeah, he comes out with Fred comes up to Jason with a tray of absinthe and boiled eggs for breakfast. I would love that. All right. That's my like my dream breakfast. Well, I'm crashing here tonight, so let's go find some absinthe. And we'll, we'll I tried. They all. haven't got it over the shop. Oh, okay, that shop's got everything. I know, it doesn't have any absinthe. I oh, went okay. in there and I said, have you got any absinthe? And she went, absolute. I went, absinthe. She went, absolute. Vodka. No, a- absinthe. Absolute? absinthe? This is the 70s. Oh, do you know what? I ended up buying the absolute. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> Just too embarrassed to go, no, it doesn't matter. It went on for a long time. Yeah. Um, Bless her. So, <laughs> it took four weeks to shoot the film. Is That's not a shock. Fuck I, that actually, long. Actually, it feels like it took... <laughs> them a long time but when you're drinking that much champions and, and all that coke they spent the 50 grand on yeah christ they probably actually it was probably we'll start at this date but then it was really you know when you leave like your homework till last night yes i think they <laughs> had actually three days of that four weeks at the end where they were like oh shit we actually got to make a film and explain where this money went oh um, i've got another qu- oh sorry you still go no go you go you no, go, go, on, go on, no because i was done with that one. Oh, okay don't want to hold uh, the a, mic uh another delight there's a lot of delights in this, considering I thought we well, were going to rip this apart. Oh, we're building up to it. Oh, okay. Uh, the bit where Robin Asquith runs through the kitchen and grabs the pie and eats it while they're escaping. <laughs> yeah. That was all him. He just wanted to... Uh, he thought that was a good idea to do. Improvised it on the moment. Yeah. You would, because he was probably starving he's been there what two days he's been drinking absinthe for bloody ages as well that's cool it makes you more alert as well absinthe yeah does it yeah it does you're looking pretty alert tonight you nice. sure it was absolute <laughs> yeah i also saw that robin asquith did all his own stunts and i'm like well yeah he had to fall over a few times i think that's something that robin asquith went and put on his own wiki and all the other websites just adding his own edits <laughs> um yeah uh of uh, deli- uh no a fright Horror Hospital was the last movie that Dennis Price have acted in before his death. It's just 58 years old. Oh dear, what did he die of? Heart failure. Oh. Uh, yeah. It was his, It was not his last film to be released. Three... Sorry, that was me. Three... <laughs> <laughs> I thought someone had just rang like a church bell. Uh, three films were released after Horror Hospital that he was in. Uh, the Erotic Rites of Frankenstein in 1973. He was mm. Dr. Frankenstein. Quartier de Femmes in 1974. He played L'Avocat These sound naughty. And they a bit naughty? Son of Dracula in 1974 as Van That's Helsing. Not I've not seen them, but. The first. Well, two... the erotic rights of Frankenstein. There's no getting around that that's some sort of porno. 
I would say porno. I'd say it's a little bit risque. Uh, okay. There's going to be a lot of paps. Uh, other notable films he were in throughout his career, and I just picked ones I'd heard of because that makes them notable to me, was yep. Go For A Take, 1972, as Dracula. Theatre of Blood, which is a good film really good. with uh, Vincent Price. He was uh, Hector Snipe, and that was in 73 as well. Our Lord and Saviour, <laughs> Vincent is, yeah. Price. The ever-ongoing master of the macabre, Vincent Price. Uh, the Haunted House of Horror, 1969, as Inspector Bill Bradley. Is that good? Have you seen that? Nope. All right. But... Sounds good. Yeah, it keeps popping up on my list. It's 60s as well, isn't it? And it's yeah. that era of a uh, bit of Hammer Horror. I'm not saying it is a Hammer Horror specifically, mm. but you know, that the feels were out for that at the time. Yeah. Right. Frights? Um, I got, oh, God, I got some frights. Did you notice? Right. <laughs> this might. This is going to take some explaining. There's a few things I noticed, and I think I know which one you were going to pick up on first. Well, I'm picking up on uh, Jason's flared trousers. Yeah. Is that where you're going? No. Okay. But I noticed he was wearing flared trousers. He was, because it's the 70s and he's a hippie. He gets on the train. He has no luggage. He has just that horrible little knapsack. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I'm assuming he's supposed to not have any luggage. Yeah. But in various things, I counted at least three different flared trousers that he was wearing. So he was getting changed. I don't think it was intentional. I think they were supposed to be the same trousers because it happens like there's a shot where he's running. He's got a patch on his bum. I think that's blood. And I want to talk about that later. I don't understand why he's bleeding from the arse. Oh, is it? It just, I pulled No, because he has it before he gets on the train. But when he's walking it? in the train How station. How does it get there? He has, a, he has a patch of something on his trousers at the train station. And, and then it's gone. And then he has these other trousers that look like they've got different material on the bottom. Could be wet, I don't think it was, because there was no patch on the back of the trousers. It was red. On his bum, yeah. it was, yeah. I think that was a patch, because that's where it goes. Do you know what I mean? I just... I if you start know. getting a fat bum, that's where it's going to That's where it's gonna loosen. So, okay. that's two flares that I've called out there. And then there's another pair of flares that don't have the bottom and don't have the patch on the back. Okay. He's wearing th- I, three different flares, and it's the... Uh, what's it called? The... Um, we well, have to have everything right. In continuity. The chion- continuity. The continuity. Continuity. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, that he was wearing three different pairs of flares. Okay. <laughs> in my head, it's. Uh, the one better. I was going for, I'll talk about later. The one <laughs> I saw. Uh, it stuck out like a sore thumb to me. Uh, okay, uh, this isn't even a fright or a delight. It's just a bit of info about Robin Asquith. Because he was most famous as Timmy Lee in Confessions' sex comedy series. Also had some stints, and this is a list of English television. Ooh. EastEnders, Doctors, Hollyoaks, Casualty, Benidorm and Coronation Street. So he really did the rounds in British television for a while. <laughs> he he returned to Coronation Street on the 11th of December 2013 as Richard DeVries. But I, I couldn't tell if he was in it for half an hour or if he's still in it now because I, I don't watch it. That's literally he's done the shittest of the shit, Telly. Sorry, I dropped a paper. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's picked what's accepted him, I think. Yeah, well, as you described earlier, he's he's not a looker. He has got that gormy face. He's got a punchy, gorm, gormy face. Pop him in the Return of the Living Dead remake. Yeah. And uh, it'll do a good uh, zombie bin man, whatever it was. Tarman. Tarman. It's a bin man. <laughs> uh, some of my bin man look a bit knackered, but they do come out at like six in the morning. True. You got any more fights or the lights? Uh, uh, not really, I don't think. Just sort of, I think we'll get to some other... I was going to say, because I've got that train scene, but are we going to get into that anyway? Uh, no, do it now. You sure? Yeah, do it now. So the train scene. Train scene. Uh, when Jason gets on the train, he, I mean, it's just so bad. <laughs> just the acting and, and the script. It's terrible. <laughs> so Jason walks into this carriage and there's just Judy sat in there on her own. He sits, fucking shit-eating grin on his punchable face. <laughs> and asks her if her lunch tastes good. He goes, all right, that tastes good. <laughs> she says, it's not bad, thank you. He says, you're lucky. I didn't have time for any lunch. 
And he's looking at a lunchbox. This is after we've had a zoom in of her knees to show that she has knees, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> anyway, he's hinting for food. She goes, would you like one of these apples? Which I've never heard anyone say apples like that. I've pulled it and checked it a few times. She says apples. He grins like a twat again. He just starts eating it. Doesn't say thank you. Just eats it. She's obviously shy, awkward, wanting to sit on her own. She's going to go and meet a long last aunt. Aunt? Aunt? And it's uh, this git. He's <laughs> just sat there. <laughs> Good word to describe him. A git. Staring at her with this gormy fucking grin. So she says, well, she's obviously thinking I'm not comfortable. I think I'm going to go. She says, I think I'll go and get a coffee. So she stands up to leave and his response is, there's no need to get so uptight about things. I'm not going to rape you. <laughs> and there's a cut scene to the train travelling and she comes, she's sitting down again. She says, I'm sorry. <laughs> She's not fucking apologises for getting out of a situation she feels uncomfortable in with some gits out there trying to make conversation. I mean, we've all been there, someone trying to make conversation. But he was like, legs akimbo. What? Anyway, she was just going for coffee for herself, get out of a situation, feels uncomfortable, and he calls her out like a dick. What? Are you... You're going to go coffee? Uh, don't need to call me a rapist, love. <laughs> So she sits down and apologises for making a scene because, you know, it's a 70s, that's what you do then. Then she just starts to tell him a family history. <laughs> <laughs> just not even prompted. It's like, I'm going to this hairy holiday. Oh, yes, I'm going there. You see, I had an aunt. Oh. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And in a shit and obvious case of explaining the backstory to the viewer, in a storytelling world, there's a thing called showing, not telling, as in people can... People are smart enough to pick up on... There should have been a better way to do it. This is literally yes. just telling the audience, this is my backstory, without yeah. actually taking any clever way, clever yeah. filmmaking technique of doing it. I'm done for Frights and Delights. That well, was the scene that I have watched so many times, just showing people going, you will not believe the shit I watched the other day. I'm just going to chime in there and say, I think she's missed the trick. Because I used, Well, I used to track... Not that I was getting... Um, propositioned by gourmet looking gits on trains but to avoid that i think we are the gourmet looking gits on trains well it, I, i'll tell you how you avoid that because i used to get trains quite a lot and the way to stop people sitting next to you on the train was you'd you'd sit down in your seat you'd crack open a couple of cans of cider and you put them on your on your little fold-down table. And I tell you, the train could be packed to the rafters, <laughs> but no one will sit next to you. <laughs> and you can enjoy a lovely little cider. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've never gone. I would come and sit with you. Yeah, and I've never... Anyone who's ever sat next to me, I've never gone, I'm not going to rape you. <laughs> <laughs> Is that paper good? You're lucky. I didn't have time to buy one. <laughs> oh, what a dick. <laughs> God, that sandwich looks nice. I'm not going to rape you. <laughs> it's not even that. It's not even a packed train. It's an empty carriage he walks into. Yeah. And it's just like too him. Yeah. A man is... I don't know what it is about his mouth. I don't want to make fun of someone's appearance, but the way he acts with his mouth. Excuse me, is the next stop Leamington Spa? I'm not going to rape you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically... Sorry, do you know what time this train gets into uh, the station? Uh, uh, excuse me, I'm not going to rape you. Listen, love. You know when someone, if I sat next to you. someone and started just stood up and moved away, and someone shouted, "Hey, no need to get so tight. I'm not going to rape you." Do you know what I think? Go on. That fucker's going to rape me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Mental. Anyway. <laughs> oh, I'm ready to burn this film to the ground. <laughs> Okay, should we go on? Let's do it. Mad uh no, it's not the Madhouse, is it? No, it's uh, Master of the Macabre. It is. Macabre. Oh, I'm not going to say anything, I'm just going to put the music on. <laughs> I'm going to rape you. Master of the Macabre. It's time for the Master of the Macabre. Whoa, sorry. I totally forgot. To enlighten you uh, on some what <laughs> on some interesting sort of real life facts about the subjects that were brought up in this documentary film Horror Hospital. Oh, good. Okay. So, oh, is it lobotomies? It is not. 
Uh, so I'm sure it'll be good, whatever it is. Wow. <laughs> so it's about Project MK Ultra. Okay. Good. Also called the CIA Mind Control Program. Uh, it's a code name given to a program of experiments on human subjects that were designed and undertaken by the United States CIA, which were at times illegal. Uh, it was experiments on humans who were intended to uh, to identify and develop drugs and procedures to be used in interrogations in order to weaken the individual and force confessions through mind control. And when we say people, if I remember correctly, we're saying black people. Uh, no, it was all types of people. Oh, was it? All across the I might be thinking of, of something else. Was it LSD? Uh, it was LSD, yes. That was one of the things that they used. The operation was officially sanctioned in 1953, reduced a little bit in 1964, curtailed in 1967, and halted in 1973. Uh, it was a lot of illegal stuff. MK Ultra used numerous methods to manipulate people's mental states and all their brain functions, including the surreptitious sere- administration of drugs, especially LSD, and other chemicals, hypnosis, sensory de- uh, deprivation, isolation, verbal and sexual abuse, and other forms of torture. Lovely. Basically, to try and... It was oh, false confessions and shit, I think, was what they were doing. Now, have you read One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest or seen the film? I've seen the film. So it was written by Ken Casey, Yeah, I think. So... The author of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, source of inspiration of the counterculture movement, was the first exposed to LSD and other psychedelic drugs as part of the MK Ultra project while still a graduate student at Stanford University. He came to be involved in this study almost by accident, accident as a neighbour of case, a psychologist, signed up for the project but had to back out last minute. He was an athlete, straight-laced, didn't get up to no good. So he'd never done any sort of drug before or even tasted alcohol. And he was training for the 1960s Olympics at the time. And Bollocks. Yeah, so he went in for this and he said the testing wasn't being done to try to cure insane people. It was being done to try and make people insane, to weaken people and to be able to put them under the control of interrogators. Wow. That's just a little bit of what MK Ultra were doing. They were... Yeah, they did it to... There was 80 institutes all uh, over America that participated in these experiments with various people who had no knowledge of it and were like yeah test this and see what happened i think he said oh no i think it was the guy from uh grateful dead who did it when he was a student and said it was the best lsd ever like the government have the best drugs ever yeah it's bullshit uh if if you want to check out what mk ultra was more about i'm pretty sure there was a podcast episode i think from stuff you should know, it's oh, okay. probably called "How MK Ultra Worked." It was years ago, but it's one of those ones that stuck with me. Oh, let's yeah, go. Check so that go out. check that out because that is a really well. The whole podcast they do is uh, better than this one. <laughs> it's really good. It's really well produced, and they they tackle a different subject every every episode. But they did a really good one on MK Ultra. I think they mentioned in that one how they would have. People from black communities come in to clinics with, like, syphilis. Yes. And they would give them f- uh, pills that did nothing because they really wanted to just study these diseases. Yeah. Uh, yes, the Tuscan- Tuskegee syphilis experiment, I think. That's a bad name for you. Yeah. That's an escort. Hey, I've just nicked something from Stuff You Should Know. That was kind of a bad name. <laughs> I'll stay away from that. I'm not treading on toes. Right. <laughs> That's a cool story. If there's a government scheme out there giving out free drugs, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Master of the Macabre. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, I'll go back to you. It's time for Master of the Macabre. And how many 
what do we call them? Nominees are you putting forward? I've got two nominees for this one. All right, you do one, I'll do one, you do one, I'll do one. They might be the same. So okay, I'm going to go with Michael Goff. Yeah, Played okay. Dr. Storm. Yeah. He's my first. Uh, okay, well, he's one of mine. The other one I have is Skip Martin. Yeah, Skip Martin. Little man with a funny little name. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cool name. I quite like that name. Yeah, but for a little man, it's quite I, funny. Well, yeah, it's quite actually, apt, isn't it? Yeah. Because he can't really walk. He skips it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Maybe that's why we're Skip Martin sounds like a 20s uh, hustler. Yeah, he does. But in, then you're thinking, oh, shit, Skip Martin's coming around. He's knocking yeah. on my door. He's coming for money. He knocks on the door. You open it. No one's yeah. there. And then you look down. Oh, shit. And you're going to have to be dealing with Skip Martin, see? <laughs> exactly. He sounds like a gangster. And then it's actually someone who can bite you in the knee. Without that bending would down. <laughs> I going to say, I can bite you in the knee. But... <laughs> I wouldn't. So, uh, okay, you take one of your guys. Um, bite him on the knee. <laughs> I like how I like Doctor Storm. Right? He's weird. The fact that he's that weird sort of turns out he's that weird sort of melty body man because of the whole fire and, and that mask that's terrible. The mask. I mean, he looks good when you don't think it's a mask, and then he's. <laughs> it's a bit the he's end like, of the Robin's wearing that mask at the yeah. end as a joke and it's yeah just, and he's quite uh, creepy like I used to be attract, uh, I used to be attractive to a lot of women uh, mm, alright yeah. Alfred calm down uh, <laughs> he's a horrible melty body man because he ran a zoo didn't he for a human experiment so he called it a zoo yeah. something to do with sex he had them horrible weird yeah. rolling around wang. Yeah, there was a little bit of willy there, wasn't there? Um, Which is surprising. By the way, Michael Goff, we keep calling him Alfred. That's because he was Alfred Pennyworth in Batman, Batman Returns, as well as the later Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Yes, the uh, Tim Burton ones, yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I've got him down because he was just better than everyone else. Yeah, it It, was It wasn't a massive benchmarks to try and beat but his performance wasn't bad at all it was like a it wasn't a shining example of acting prowess but he did well with the script he was given yeah he did yeah uh i mean he's he's done better stuff but he's the best in this film i reckon probably he he does do the evil british man voice quite well yes he does yeah uh but skip martin I don't have much of a reason to be honest, except I quite liked him. I felt bad for his character at points, so I'll I'll kind of attribute that to his acting. He was drying quite funny in I, parts. Yeah, yeah. I liked him serving food in the kitchen while he was making food in the kitchen to take to Jason and Abraham in their cell while he before he knocked those guards out. Yes. And that weird green <laughs> absinthe, absinthe for the guards to knock him out. I mean, I'd probably fall down like that after. Necking through a straw, a load of absinthe. No, you'd, you'd be more alert. It's the opposite effect of, oh, okay. of alcohol. I'd just try more drugs. <laughs> <laughs> he looked disgusted at the food, but also like he was quite enjoying his job. Gruel or something, was Scheming, it? yeah. What what is, was. How many times has this been eaten already, eh? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it looked like it'd been... That's uh, what he... Uh, yeah, that's Robin's line, I think. Jason's, sorry. I liked that his hat kept coming off. <laughs> And he just kept dealing with it. I don't think it was meant to at all, but it was a bit of comedic relief. Bodies, oh, maybe they should have got him a bigger hat. Or stuck it down. Yeah. I just think even when he climbed out the window, his hat fell off. When he was moving the bodies to climb up to the thing, his hat fell off. But I... <laughs> uh, I guess funny. They, yeah, they made him dig that grave as well. Like the smallest person in the, in yeah. the, in the gang, and they made him dig the grave. But he's, he's not just a dog's six... body, isn't he? Yeah, that's he's true. He's just... No one else is going to do it. He's got some good lines as well, I think. Yep. Don't forget to brush your teeth. Yeah, he was weird obsessed with people brushing their <laughs> yeah, teeth. Yeah, he said that two or three times, didn't he? Yeah, that was a good uh, impression again then. <laughs> One day I might compile all the impressions. <laughs> Dr. Storm had a good line as well, I think. It was, uh... oh, what does he say? When Jason's running away, he shouts, It's no use, Jason, you won't get very far. But then he whispers it again, which I thought was yeah. weird. Yes. It's no good, Jason. You won't get very far. Yeah, why shout and whisper? Should have put that in Frights and Delights as a fright. 
Never mind. You just uh, said it was a good line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like in a in a bad way. Yeah, there was no UPKA moment in this. No. I think well, after the bad guy died, Judy just got out of the car and screamed and fell into his arms. And I think that was like basically the last line of the film is Judy screaming. So I'm saying I'm not going to rape you is the, the hippie guy A line. <laughs> yeah, but you've got to have just killed someone or beaten someone. That's true. Also, pomegranate for breakfast. Did you notice that? No. Ah, Storm has pom- pomegranate for breakfast. Okay. So the other half live. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, uh, who are you picking? Oh, I want to pick Skip. I want to pick Skip. Skip it is. Yeah. Skip on down, little man. <laughs> <laughs> is he going to skip over and pick up his medal that doesn't exist? Is he even alive anymore? This is 40 odd years ago. God, I don't know. Might not be. Well done, Skip. Apparently, he was the most fun on set as well. Like, he was always up for something. He was always up for a bit of a laugh. Yeah, well, live where you can, I suppose. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. Skip, your medal is in the post to your estate, however big or small it may be. Just, just relatives. Yes. Did you say big or small the estate because of the whole dwarf thing? Or was that no! Just... <laughs> because nah. he wasn't actually very prolific as an actor. No, not at all. He's been in loads of things. He's in a Vincent Price thing, uh, the Mask of the Red Death that he's in. All right, okay. With our Lord and Saviour... Let's do the Madhouse rating. Yeah, let's do it. The Madhouse rating. System. So, here we go with the Madhouse rating system for this film, Horror Hospital. First up, tension and suspense. Right, so it's not brilliant. Nope. Uh, the the attempted first jump we get is the station master walking briskly around a corner <laughs> yeah. and saying, your tickets, please. Yeah. Uh, it felt like bad amateur dramatics. The only bit of suspense I really felt was actually kind of building up any suspense was when Judy was walking around the clinic looking for Jason after he had his recce. Yeah. Look about. Uh, and that's all right. She discovers the room full of patients, does some brilliant scream acting. It cuts to her screaming way too many times. I think they use the same shot a few times as well. It's like seven times, and then she runs away screaming, and then the tension's over. Uh, you know, screaming as women were meant to do back in the day in films rather than actually doing anything. So... Yeah. Uh, you've got anything on tension suspense? Um... I think there's a very, very, very tiny bit of it. Watching it now, uh, you know what's going to happen. They're eventually going to turn out to be part of Storm's experiments. Uh, they're trying to escape. I think that's a little bit tense, but I think you know where it's going to go. I think you know you, they're not going to. They're going to escape. They're yeah. going to get out. So I think that kind of that in films nowadays, you, there's a twist. I don't think there was a twist in no, this. So I think the the suspension builds up, but you know at the end of it, everyone's going to be all right, except poor Millie, baby. Yeah. Oh, Millie. Uh, and I'm going to be nice here and give them one more. The fight scenes had a, a an amount of tension. <laughs> that amount's not a big amount, but it's there. Mostly because I was trying to figure out at what point Jason started bleeding from his ass, but you said it's a patch. <laughs> I think it's a patch, but yeah, it does look like he's bleeding from his ass. Nah, uh, a, I think he might have sat in bubblegum at the train station. That might uh, be maybe a, or a wet but patch. The fights are one of the few times there's actually a musical score throughout the film, which I'll get into later. Okay. So that I, I mean, we've got to give it. We choose to give it a star. I'm not. I don't want to give it a star for tension suspense. Nah, no star. And I know we usually look at them through the lens of the forgiving lens of this was made forty years ago, but even there's so many films around at this time that do it so much better. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, this is seventy three. Do you know? I mean, it's not the thirties and figuring stuff out. Yeah, I think there's better films in the seventies that did it better. Yeah. Yeah. If you could pick horror films, yeah. even not even just across the whole thing, the yeah. literal films doing this same thing to better. Right. Number two. 
score and visual effects. Right, the first bit of gore is right off the bat, isn't it? When Frederick pulls the flimsy lever, <laughs> releasing the <laughs> Bond villain-esque blade from the car. Yeah. Chops off the heads of the two escapees from the clinic. We had a couple of runaways this morning. <laughs> now, uh, slightly skipping over the fact that you would need both victims to be running exactly the right height in single file for this weapon to work in any way as it did. Yeah. Uh, the effects here are kind of okay. It's not winning any awards, even for the 70s. Headless bodies on the floor are clearly people with their, with their real heads like stuffed into a prosthetic shoulder type thing. I paused it to have a look because I just didn't, couldn't, I just couldn't. It looked bad and I was like, sure, it's not that bad. I'm like, no, it is. It, it's that bad. Now, I like it. Okay. I like these kind of effects. I think they've done well with what they've got. The blood is bright red. I think there's something. In when you uh, some sort of rule when you're putting out a film to get you a certain rating, if the blood is overly red or overly a different color to natural blood, okay. it gets a different rating. I think that's correct. I'm not sure. I'm sure Evil Dead changed the color of their blood to get a different rating. All right. Maybe they didn't do it in the 70s. But yeah, I like that. You get it throughout all. Pretty much all the Hammer Horror films, the blood is bright red. I quite like that. It's nice. I don't mind touch. the bright red blood, and I think I know what you're going, what you're talking about with the effects being done. But I, it's just that thing where I've just seen it done better. It felt like yeah, well yeah, yeah, a bit rushed. For, not rushed is the right way. I don't really know. The zombies it just didn't do it for me. I like yeah. the the campy horror films with the effects that yeah. are uh, practical effects for the time. Yeah, the zombies and that look—they looked a bit rubbish. We don't know. Well, we don't know if they're the humanoids is what they're called, which I thought humanoids. was just a name for a species that was humanoid. Yeah, had arms, legs. Uh, and legs. Yeah, they're not bad for the time. No, I think uh, they could—they could have done better makeup. In terms of the sky, yeah, I was just gonna say the white makeup to seem drained was a bit just too. It's just like, oi, why have you got easy? Yeah, you've just got snazaroo on you. <laughs> yeah, blended it in. You've just done, yeah. just done a bit of ru- like, yeah, you've just done a bit of rubbish. Yeah, but I like the um the scars on the head. They're all right. They're all right. Yeah, yeah. And when you see them a bit later, and they've got the stitches in them. And personally, at the point I saw that when I went down for dinner the first time, that's the time I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm not going back up to my room. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Uh, the bit oh uh, the bit where Storm's cutting open Millie's head and there's a tiny little bit of brain popping out. Yeah, that's good. good. Yeah, could yeah. be brain, could be ball bag. I don't know. <laughs> could be a bloody ball bag. Uh, yeah. Skip rocks up, doesn't he, with calves' brains? They've never had a thought in them. Oh yeah, yeah. Virgin brains. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. So visual effects. I want to talk about that, Jim. Yes. Dr. Storm has all this money for a large stately home clinic, state-of-the-art computers, some staff, goons with motorbikes. But his gym, (laughs) where he trains his human robot things, the main area to test, like, his brilliance of creation, is a small room with two of those vaulting horses with a few loose weights and three climbing bar wall thingies. It, it, It looks like a school gym in a third world country. Well, it looks like a school gym. In, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe like seventies. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah, it looks shit. Anyway, it if you're gonna, shit. if you're investing all that money, I mean, maybe you just run out when he got to the gym. I don't know, but no, he's got all this cash floating about, obviously from somewhere. Yeah, we never get really into why or how that they are controlled by the flip of a switch either. Yeah, because he says, like, backflip, and she flicks a switch, and they do yeah. a backflip. And it's like yeah. one of those um, the Star Wars original series-type computers mm-hmm. where it's just flashy lights and random buttons. Nothing's labelled. It's yeah. dangerous when nothing's labelled. Yeah, also, she flicks the same button a couple of times, and different people do it, which I thought was weird. Oh, yeah. I thought, like, one switch would do, like, Justin. Yeah. Boom, yeah. the other switch would oh, do... Oh, you need to change radio frequency to yeah. control a different person. Pablo. The other one will do bloody... Jennifer, whatever her name is. Yeah. Whatever there you her go. name is. <laughs> um, I mean, the blob monster thing. Yeah. It's not, actually not that bad. Rubbery. <laughs> Rubbery, man, yeah. But like I said earlier, through the forgiving lens of time, 
It's all right. It's just freaky enough. Yeah, do you know what? I'm saying give gore and visual effects a star because I think they've done all right with that. Yep. Uh, I have one more, though. Oh, okay. Shit, sorry. This is only uh, for people to check out if you feel after our amazing review here to go and watch it. The one hour, 25 minute, 37 second mark, the house is on fire after they've destroyed the lab. Apparently destroying the lab sets random parts of the whole place on fire. Anyway, at this point, you can you can see a smoke canister that's not meant to be seen. Oh. That's just given off. It's a canister just given off. The smoke is meant to be a fire. Bit sloppy. Just wanted to point that out. That's a rating effects and. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so good yeah. shout. But if you want to give it a star, I'm saying let's give that one a star because I like I like all the red blood. The heads coming off. Just enough for effort, not necessarily outcome. Okay. Yeah. Star for effort. <laughs> <laughs> right. Here we go. Number three for performance. All round, the performance in this film is questionable. <laughs> uh, we don't do an award for bad acting. We don't do a shithead of the macabre. Yeah. But if we did, okay, it would go to this man. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Early on, there was a nameless man in the club when the band's playing. Jason comes over. His nose bleeding. And the girl says, and no, sorry, this guy goes, have you been snorting coke again, Jason? <laughs> and then uh, the girl says, Jason, you should get away for a while. And then this guy, Nobel Prize must be in the post, by the way, he goes, camera full on to his face. Yeah, just straight dead out. It's Zoom really weird. Right on. Yes, Jason, get away to the country for a few days. <laughs> you could do with a rest. <laughs> uh, Oscar. Yeah. And uh, that man turned out to be Robert De Niro. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Rob. You're <laughs> <laughs> shit out of the macabre waters in the post. <laughs> it's not Robert De Niro, by the way, if you don't watch it. It's a, uh, yeah. I mean, some terrible fight scenes, but 73. Done in quite a normal style for the time, but even for the time, they're, they're quite badly choreographed and performed. It's the same year that Live and Let Die came out with Roger Moore. Uh, oh, okay. Roger Moore starts doing all his bad karate chop, dodgy fighting style that's very James Bond pre-Brosnan, I guess. Yet, Live and Let Die and many other Bonds, they make it work better than this. Oh, yeah, fair enough, yeah. It's, it's a dated look, that fighting. It's very choreographed. Um, it, it, but it doesn't. this film doesn't manage to age well with it. No, and I have right. my doubts that it even looked good at the time. Uh, yeah, like we say, we like to put ourselves back in that moment, and it's hard to do with this because is. there is that's the fighting style of the time. But I, I, that's the reason I mentioned that "Live and Let Die" is because that's a brilliant film. Yeah, <laughs> and the fighting in there doesn't take anything away from it. But with this, it's uh, it's prolonged as well. They have yeah, a fight, well, someone wins, and then they run away and catch him again. And yes. it happens like three times. And, You're right. And it just got to me. <laughs> I have also, I will say this caveat here, I've seen this film three times. <laughs> first time I was like, ah, it was bad, but it was fun. Second time was the first time watching it for this after I'd chosen it as a choice. And I'm like, uh, is it just bad? Nah, it's still fun. Third time I was like, for fuck's sake, can't believe I've got to watch this again. <laughs> So what have you got? You got anything for, for performance? Um, do you know what? I like, again, I like Skip Martin. I like the way he played his character. I yep. don't know if it was bad acting or it was just creepy and weird. Creepy dryness, having, I think. Yeah, and he was just having fun with it and going with it. I think he was all right. Dr. Storm was, he did good. I think he was all right. Yeah. Um, Judy. I mean, she got her kit off, so that's not acting. It's taking the clothes off. Anyone can do that. That's true. Uh, uh, skip, we'll scrap that one. I got uh, Skip Martin. The other note is when he was pining up with the bodyguards was hilarious, and and just a few bits. Yeah, but, um, I, think, I think he genuinely struggled to move the bodies, and maybe it was <laughs> they had to move their own weight. Yeah, after think... they realised that the script was a bit ridiculous of him moving them. I mean, Skip's the master of the macabre for this film. Really. It's not a high bar to. No. To reach, but he's um he's it's, it all right. It's very yeah, it's dry in it. 
it's very dry. Yeah, acting. I'd I'd want to watch more of his films to yes. to see yeah, yeah, yeah. what what this performance was, whether it was his usual style, whether he was going for a dry. He could be a completely different character in another film, which means this is just his acting was going for a certain thing. Well, I mean, I've seen Skip in other films, and I've seen uh, Michael Goff in other films, Batman, and we know he's great in that. I've not seen anyone else in the other films, so... Skip's taken the car, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of dry... But maybe that was... I don't know. It's low budget and stuff. Maybe that's all right. It's like if we were in a film now, but I imagine ours would be quite dry. Yeah, but then we get a bad review for our acting because we're not very good. Okay. <laughs> you giving it a star? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. You want to give it a star? No. No? No. So what is that? One out of three. One out of three. So next up is Under Trois Quatre. It's a music score slash sound effects. So in this film, we, we get the some cliched stabbing brass sounds when something meant to be shocking. Someone's jumping out. It's done. Uh, I could give the benefit of the doubt here and say, uh, because there isn't much music. No. <laughs> you, could, no. you could give the benefit of the doubt and say the director used like the absence of music and utilize the silence to create an atmosphere of mystery and the space left where the score would be is purposely left there to represent the void left in the minds of Dot Storm's patience and the lack of hope in Judy and Jason's situation. Yeah. I think the truth really is they weren't giving much thought to it and the budget was tight. <laughs> there's there's yeah. not much there. Uh, I mean, when Abraham turns up, there's some dodgy music playing. I wasn't sure if it was now turning into like a a light-hearted 70s cop show across with Grange Hill as he sauntered up to the house with all the swagger of, like, a collar-popping 70s cop. Yeah, I'm looking for my chick. Yeah, <laughs> smashing my laptop against the mic. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, but I think that's all I have on music. There, there wasn't much to go on, I to be fair. I don't think it's the best one in the 70s for sound effects. There wasn't a score. Really? Nah, there was a little bit, but... In the fight scene, sorry, I had some music over the top. Yeah. But there was a little bit, but I think there's better out there. I'm going to say nada. Yeah, I don't even think he gets anywhere near a star for just lack of effort. Yes. No star for lack of effort. Even do some... Like, if you're, if you're stretched, hire a studio, do some whistling. Get some atmosphere around the back. Yeah. Pop a mic out into Maybe the... Not forest see what happens a bit of wind anyway yeah. fump overall experience is that one out of four so far so far it's one out of four i'm not giving it a star for overall experience you're not giving it a star uh, well i'm expecting you to give it a star so it's a half <laughs> um, i enjoyed watching it twice i thought it was i, I did enjoy it because i like that kind of sort of I'm going to say naff sort yeah. of film. I've got... You've seen my shelf. After I... Yeah, well, yeah. After I'd seen this film once, I'd have given it a star. Because it was enjoyably bad. Yeah. I think... Which I some just, films do on purpose. Yeah. And I think they tried to do it on purpose. But for me, they missed a bit. Okay. I, I didn't sit through it with my hand in my... My head in my hand. <laughs> No, no, finish that first sentence first. I mean, because that shower scene didn't last long enough. <laughs> no, well, no. And that gourmet face came in. No, I'm not going to rape you. <laughs> <laughs> and then proceeds to force himself on it. I enjoyed it. But again, like I keep saying, I think there are better ones in that area of time. That's that my point. I know what they were going for, better. but other films did it better and they missed, I think. But I if you want to go, I mean, it's a one out of five at the moment. Uh, <laughs> if you want to give it one, do you I think it's think one so. out of five or two out of five? Or I one think and a half it's out one out of five. I think okay. it's one out of five. So it was called Horror Hospital, but they wanted, but the other name was Computer Killers. That would have made more sense that they were controlled with a computer, but. Horror oh, Hospital is a really yeah. good name, but then it wasn't even a hospital. It was supposed to be a holiday getaway resort. Oh, I thought it was a health clinic. And then you get there, and then it's supposed to be a, even a clinic. It's not. It's not. Is that a hospital? 
It's like yeah. really lightweight rehab. It uh, should have been called horror, really lightweight rehab. Well, there you go. That's it. Nailed down. We're confused by it. <laughs> Let us know. Was it a hospital? Was it a health clinic? Was it rehab? Fuck, Do you enjoy knows? it? Yeah. Fuck. Uh, I mean, it's the lowest rated one at one star out of five. What was the star even for in the end? Gore, visual effects. Gore, because we enjoyed that. Right. Yeah. It's uh, time to mosey on over. Mosey. To listen to mail. Listener mail. Right, so here we are doing this in the mail. I want to mention first, we are obviously running our first ever competition. Woo! You can win a Night of the Living Dead poster, Night of the Living Dead on Blu-ray, Night of the Living Dead mug, and all you have to do is email us at themadhousepodcastoutlook.com. Let us know what your favourite horror film is and why. And then if you win, we'll do an episode of that film as well. God, you lucky, lucky people. So uh, do that. Get in touch with us at themadassepodcast.outlook.com. Is that right? (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Um, And our listener mail today is uh, one of the entries we've had so far. Oh, hello. Uh, From Jeff North. He emailed in saying, uh, hey, Jimmy and Joey. I've asked permission to read these out, by the way. Hello. Just finished listening to the latest episode and really enjoyed it. My favourite horror film, open bracket, one of anyway, close bracket, is 2008's Pontypool. You know it? I do know it, yes. Good film. It says, don't know if you've seen it or heard of it. Not your standard horror films. It's all set within a radio station and it relies on your imagination. Like a good book. Yep. I like a good book. Anyway... (laughs) Uh, he didn't say that, by the way. That's me saying. Uh, <laughs> he said, anyway, this is why I really enjoy it, and I've repeatedly rewatched it since first seeing it about five years ago. Thanks, good luck. No, she doesn't say good luck. Looking forward to the next episode. I emailed back saying thanks for getting in touch and entering our awesome competition. Can I read your email out? He said, uh, yes, it's fine to read the email out. I went and actually did a bit of research on Pontypool and found out it's based on a book called Pontypool Changes Everything. And they're doing a sequel and a spin-off, which I'm very excited about. Cheers, Jeff. So thanks, Jeff, for getting in touch and letting us know your hat. No, your name has been written down and put in a hat. Lovely. And it will be... Uh, Is it top hat? I haven't really put in a hat yet. I don't know. Today. Probably a peat cat when I do it. Oh, pot pie? Yes, we'll have a pot pie hat. Um, we'll put all your names in it, everyone who's entered. Thank you very much so far for everyone who has. Sweet. I did watch Pontypool like, probably about five years back as well. And it's one of them films where the name really doesn't give anything away, which is good. It means it's... nothing to me, Pontypool. I've not yeah, seen it. Exactly. I've not heard of this then film. you got to watch it and it really is a good That would be an interesting one because you've seen it and I haven't. So Good film. Um, the winner will be picked, by the way, on episode 10 when we're starting our, uh, what would you call it? Our series on George yeah, A. Series. Romero films. Yeah. Every 10th episode, we're going to do the next film he was involved with. We haven't decided whether that means he directed it or had a hand in writing it yet. I think it was everything he's been involved with. It takes us to episode 200. So settle down for that. It's going to take a while. But yeah, first one's going to have these prizes. And that is the end of horror at the place that's not a hospital, maybe a rehab clinic, but was initially a hairy holiday. Mm, Hairy holiday. Predatory guy sent you to <laughs> that would uh, honestly be a bit of a long name for this but we are done for the day right yeah We're sorted so email us for your um entries for our competition at the madhouse podcast outlook.com please uh rate this podcast and this episode if you can i don't know if you can do it individually subscribe share it with your friends get in touch with us on facebook check out the page the madhouse podcast check us out on instagram at the madhouse podcast and obviously i've said it a few times emails at the madhouse podcast at outlook.com and i've just realized jimmy hasn't chosen a film yet okay so here we go (laughs) (laughs) so it's good to add a little variety to it (laughs) that's all purposeful mixing this up Right, it's a bit last minute, so here we go. I'm going to read it out. I think you'll get it. So, after 
An odd new medical student arrives on campus. A dedicated local and his girlfriend become involved in bizarre experiments centering around the reanimation of dead tissue. Is it Pontypool? <laughs> no. Or the reanimator? Yeah, boy! I got two now. Yes, the 1985 comedy horror Sasapa. It's good. A bit Lovecraft. Nice. It's gonna be fun. Um, do I need to put the music back on for the ending now? Yeah, probably. Boy. Right. So here we go. That's the end of the podcast. Definite this time. Uh, yeah. Share, subscribe, rate, and all that. Uh, um, check us out on Facebook at the Madhouse Podcast, Instagram at the Madhouse Podcast.com, and email us at the Madhouse Podcast at Outlook.com. And all that's left now is for you to see, or whatever it is. Yeah! That's the, that's the one. <laughs> see you next time. Bye! Excuse me, is the next stop Leamington Spa? I'm not gonna rape you! <laughs> <laughs> Go on. That fucker's gonna rape me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs>